passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of The Insiders. Tim Fitzgerald, Brian Hanley, the former Kansas State offensive lineman, Tim Eberson from the Manhattan Mercury, and Glenn Kinley, who covers Big 12 sports for every station except one mm-hmm. in Topeka. That's right. Except the one I work for. The <laughs> we won't talk about it. We're not going to get into that. Gentlemen, Kansas State wins 44-31. It was an interesting game. And uh, I, I got to start since I got the, the offensive lineman in the room with me. Brian, they decided to go old school and shove the ball down their throats, running for, what, 281 on the night. And hey, they watched the insiders last week. They Brian did. told them to do that. Exactly. We'll get into DJ Giddens, but, man, it was impressive what they did. I mean, this is the offensive line that we thought we were going to see at the very beginning of the season. Uh, and it's just what we said. Just run the ball downhill. Just run the ball at them, man. Don't try to get fancy. Go side to side. Our advantage is running downhill in between the tackles. I mean, and there were running lanes a lot of times where guys weren't being touched. Like, DJ wasn't being touched maybe four, five, six yards down the field. I mean, they were, there were holes everywhere. And right. it, it, just the offensive line, I can't say, look, I've been on them the last three weeks. I have been on them, but they deserved it. And they deserve all the praise after Saturday. Those guys just went to town on UCF, just went to town. And, and Tim, we didn't think, I didn't think, Will Howard was going to be able to play. 
guy couldn't walk after the Missouri game. He was totally beaten and battered and bruised up and swollen, and and yet he got out there and ended up, honestly, he didn't look like he was affected one bit when in warm-ups he was kind of gimping around. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I don't know what they gave him, but he, he looked good. He looked real good. I mean, he was, uh, aside from, from one pass that he tried to, to sneak in, and in a spot that he probably shouldn't have, as Keegan Johnson got 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 beat to a ball. Yep. Um, aside from that, he I mean, it was more of a game manager type deal. He wasn't doing anything super flashy, although it was a career high in completions, which I thought was interesting. Um, and you know, he he looked good. And then whenever he had to kind of be a little bit more mobile once they got into the second half. Chris Kleiman said, hey, if we want to win this game, we need you to move around a little bit because they were finally saying, oh, you know, let's let's stop the 230-pound monster that's running over us over and over again. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they uh, Will, Will kind of picked up the mantle and, and, and he had a couple nice runs and then ripped off an inexplicable 30-yard touchdown run mm-hmm. to close out the game. But, hey, you know, he seemed fine. And Glenn DJ Giddens goes for 207 on 30 yeah. carries. Uh, a, a man's effort for a kid from Junction City High School. It's been pretty amazing. You probably covered him a little bit in, in uh, high school to see his progression. Yeah, absolutely. I was hoping I was going to be the one to talk about DJ Giddens, man. He was not he was not good on Saturday. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic. He ran for over 200 yards. He finished with two, what was it? 293 total. Cause he had eight catches for 86 yards. I mean, he going into the game, we knew that he could run downhill. We knew that he could kind of get behind his pads. It seemed like with DJ Giddens, he's a guy who gets two or three more yards each play than you think he's going to, or yep. than you think he should. If, if it looks like he's going to get stopped at five, he gets eight. If it looks like he's going to get six, he gets seven. Um, he gets more, but, I don't know that we knew that he could be such a weapon out of the receiving game. I don't know if it was that UCF didn't prep for the guy or what, um, I, but I don't even want to say that because I feel like then if I say that, it's almost taken away from him. He is just right. really, really good, and he runs, I think the way to put it, he runs angry, and, and it's just like get out of the way or get run over, and uh, he was really good, and and I made the joke to some friends, but I, I think that he probably uh, scored more touchdowns than he said words out loud during that game because he doesn't talk. And I actually, although it's maybe for media, you wish that he would, you know, have a great soundbite. I actually think it's awesome. Like it's like mysterious, and it's like yep. I, I imagine like defenses are like this guy just ran, this guy just put up three hundred dollar yards on us, and he didn't even he didn't, didn't even say, say anything. <laughs> <laughs> didn't say a thing. Let's hear from Chris Kleiman real quick, guys, about the job uh, DJ Giddens did and Will Howard. Uh, coming back from that injury to play every snap, which I don't think any of us imagined he would play every snap. We thought we'd probably see someone else at some point, but we didn't. Here's Coach Kleiman. We challenged DJ. We said we were going to give you the football. Um, you needed to uh, step up. You have all the ability in the world. We've got to believe in you, and we're going to keep giving it to you and keep giving it to you. And then we didn't know if Will would play. And he was not 100% by any means. But in the second half, I told him, you have to run the football for us to secure this win. You you absolutely have to because they were starting to key in on things. And they weren't rushing him late. They just started batting balls down. Great job by them. So then Will had to become a a, a runner. And I challenged him a couple times on the sideline. And and he responded. And um, we're 1-0 in league play. Brian, DJ Giddens was 
so good because he would get through the line and the line was giving him holes to get through. And then he just, he felt space. He just would, he'd be have guys in front of him and all of a sudden he'd go off on, you know, out pop it outside. And he just did a great job sifting through that defense. Does he have breakaway speed? No. But was he really, really effective? Heck yes. It was impressive to watch him. Well, it was elusive, maybe the word, because, and and, and I think it's the maturation of him being a running back because he couldn't do that last year. He would just kind of run through the line, and if somebody came, he would try to run through them, and if he did, he did, but, you know, get tackled, whatever. But he didn't do that. He was running, cutting inside. It was almost like he could see things happening. And look, I've been there as a player. When things start to slow down for you, man, it's crazy. It's like, oh, yeah, I see this happening. While you're moving full speed, everything just happens so slow. I can cut this way and get more yards. Oh, somebody else is coming. I can cut the other way and get more yards. It is a great thing to see. He just, I mean, it was incredible. And to your point, Glenn, as far as receiver, look, he ran a dig route about nine yards down the field, jumped in the air and had to reach back Mm -hmm. and catch a football. That's what, now look, I'm not trying to say he's an NFL receiver, but that's what NFL receivers do. That's the kind of catches that they have to make. And for a running back, to be able to do that at the collegiate level just goes to show that either this guy was in the complete zone or he's got this in his repertoire. And I think he's got it in his repertoire. Yeah, we definitely learned a lot about him this week because I think before maybe we thought this is a guy who can run up the middle and and yep. get you four yards of play, right? Which is good. Like, you want that guy, but we learned that he can do so much more than that. He, he's a lot more versatile than we probably realized. And and obviously, people watching this probably know, but Treshawn Ward was out. So that's why DJ got the ball so often, and he roasts the occasion. I mean, you want to talk yeah. about a guy just stepping up. Yeah. It's like Clyman said, hey, we need you, and he said, done. You know, as Brian said, Tim, we saw him run the ball last year, but we didn't see this kind of – shiftiness he, he said he he studied a deuce vaughn move and use it in the game um his progression is is amazing between freshman and sophomore year folks he's a sophomore uh, you know i mean they brought in treshawn ward to help him he will uh, there'll be games where treshawn is going to be really valuable but this game belonged to dj giddens and um the quiet kid from Jokes city did an awful lot he was the target he was targeted 10 times ran it 30 times they ran 82 plays, and he was the focus of 40 of those plays. Tim, that's big time. Yeah, and it, it's weird because it's not something really that, that K-State thought that they would have after having someone fill that role of, hey, we're, you know, half of our touches and, and carries are going to go to, you know, Deuce Vaughn. It, 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 it is kind of interesting to see when they were, were confronted with a situation where they needed to do that again. Uh, it worked out incredibly well. What that means for the, you know, the whole tandem, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine that there are going to be better run defenses than UCF had, although I don't think that UCF was necessarily bad either coming in. I think that they were around like 50 or so in, 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 in total rushing yards in the, in, in the nation. So not awful, awful, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it was just, it was impressive to watch and, it's it really is just kind of scratching the surface for for DJ as far as what he's going to be able to do. Brian, we don't get uh, yards after contact. We don't they don't list that on our stats, but it had to be significant because yeah. he bounced off a lot of tacklers. UCF seemed to be lined up right, 
doing the right things, and then they couldn't tackle. They're just not a good tackling team, and K-State must have seen that on film and said, we're just going to cash this in. Yep, they just kept running the football, and that's what you do. I mean, I know that's an old cliche, is we're just going to wear them down. Well, technically, I guess maybe that happened, but, I mean, this wasn't fourth quarter runs that we saw all this stuff happening. It was first quarter runs that we saw this happening. He was just running through, bouncing off guys, didn't run out of bounds, which you know me, Fitz, I love when a running back does not run out of bounds and just kept fighting for extra yards. And I'm like, you know what? This guy gets it. He gets yep. it. And he is. And I think it's time that we just have to say that he's he's good. He's just that good. Now, granted, it's one game, so I don't want to go off the deep end, but that was a really, really good game. Yeah, it was it was impressive. But UCF did score 31 points, Mr. Kenley. And uh, I asked Chris Kleiman about giving up some deep passes. He got a little surly with me in the postgame, um, you know, talking about their great athletes, which they had, certainly. But this is the second week in a row uh, where we've seen K-State's pass defense have some issues with guys getting deep on them and, and just the overall speed giving them trouble. Yeah, it's – and it was just defensive breakdowns on a few of them, including yeah. the the flea flicker is probably right. the one that pops out the most, right? But um, it's hard to say how much of this was okay with Missouri. It was almost can we can they keep up with Luther Luther Bird, right? right? In this one, it never felt like that. Like again, they did have athletes, but it never felt like oh that guy was just better. It felt like at times, and I don't know, we talked about it last week. I don't know if it was confusion or panic or what it was, but it felt like at times they just fooled them. And they just did. And and that's probably the concern. Now, if for me personally, I'm hoping to hear what y'all think, but I would rather have that. That can get fixed. If you don't have the speed or the athletes, you can't really fix that. You can fix some confusion. Right. Hopefully they can clean that up. But again, what is this? The second or third week in a row that that we've saw that Troy didn't affect them, but we saw it a little bit. Yep. Missouri it did hurt them. And this one, it almost hurt them. But, uh, you know, luckily, uh, UCF made a lot of mistakes, too. Yeah, you just summed up why my athletic career never went anywhere. <laughs> the, the overall lack of speed and athleticism. Kind of me in. It happens to the best of us. I know. Well, even the worst of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tim, this was a really positive sign, though. I, I saw the defense do some things. They gave up the one signature run again. They've done it three games in a row where they let one run pop off. But other than that, they did a pretty good job physically up front. And if they continue to take away the run from teams, this is going to be a tough defense, even if there is some yardage given up through the air. And, and this was a UCF team that was putting it on everybody with great success. I mean, they were second best behind uh, Air Force, which is, I mean, that's all they do is run. Um, and I, you know, it, it, it seemed like after that first drive that it was like, okay, this is going to be, the same problem, but once they tightened up, uh, you know, they, they, they started to pass more, which ended up hurting the defense a little bit, but they looked really good and they started to get a lot more pressure on uh, sophomore Timmy McLean and uh, that, that, that caused a lot of problems for him. But overall, it, the run defense wise was very positive. Brian, uh, Jim in our chat, uh, wants to know, you know, they're shuffling a lot of guys in on defense, rotating a lot of guys through, which I think is just a Joe Klanderman trait. But um, I guess he wants to know, is it kind of causing them trouble because they've got so many new faces when they're getting into that rotation? I mean, on defensive backs, it can cause problems. Now, if we're talking about defensive linemen, then no, because you have to rotate defensive linemen. It's just you can't play the whole game. 
defensive backfield, yeah. I mean, you're running in and out, especially if you're not getting the call right. I mean, and sometimes it's a matter of I played with this guy a lot. I know what he's going to do in this certain situation, regardless of the call. If a guy's running this route, I know where he's going to be, and I can be here, vice versa. So, yes, that can be an issue. Again, it's kind of like the offensive line. At some point, you got to settle on some guys and say these are the guys that are going to be out there. Because, again, secondary is not a position where you're just running guys in and out. That that That's not going to work. It's not going to work. Well, it wasn't all beautiful for K-State. I was a little dismayed at the special teams play. Um, Yeah, uh, they had a great punt. um, 69-yarder, beautiful, but they missed a field goal that was short, missed an extra point. They gave up a return. They just didn't look as efficient. And we asked Coach Kleiman about it in postgame, and this is what he said. Well, we we can't miss the PAT, period. I mean, we, we can't do that. Um, Jack Bloomer had a bomb of a punt, which is a big, big positive. Uh, we took some starters off kickoff. Um, they've got two electric great players back there, so let's give them credit as well. Um, something that we have short. Sure, we had two penalties that we can't have on special teams um, that took some field position away. Um, but um, uh, it's it's we're playing some young guys, and we're going to keep working them. Brian, K-State not playing special teams well. Got me right here, man. It's four. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to watch. It was, it was painful to watch. Yeah. I mean, there was even a play where um, Keegan and Phillip – got into an argument over who was supposed to catch a, I'm like, okay, guys, look, and I get it. Everybody's trying to make a play and we haven't made one. We haven't made one and everybody's trying to make a play, but at some point we got to get it fixed because again, the special team, let's just call it what it is. It was bad. It mm-hmm. was bad. I know coach can't say that. He's not going to say that he's got young guys out there, but that's not an excuse. It's never been an excuse at Kansas state, but we've always had young guys on special teams, um, because special teams is effort. Literally, that's all that it is, is effort. Um, and, yeah, I, I get some guys have to have ability, but it's effort just running down the field, covering, blocking, and guys just have to be better. We have to put a little bit more emphasis. I'm more worried about the the kick game than I am anything else. I mean, you can't – I mean, he said the PAT, yeah, you missed it, but the field goal I thought was worse. Yeah, You know, so we, we just can't miss those things, man. Man, Tim Everson, uh, they got to clean this up. They just this this will be a, a point of intolerance for K State fans because this has been kind of the secret sauce for so many years. People look at the stats and go, "How K State win this game?" Oh, there's a long return here. It's like hidden yardage that you can't account for. Oh, they blocked a punt too. That's how they won. And and giving another team the opportunity to steal that from you, man, that that just doesn't sit well. Yeah, it's been the equalizer for you know. 30 years now and that's great to have that um i don't know it's it's very interesting because obviously when 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 climbing came in uh there was not this level our k-state's level of emphasis on special teams at at north dakota state but he seemed to be very you know open to making it more of an emphasis and 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 making that part of the culture you know his part of the you know and into his culture right and everything but i know they've had some uh you know analysts and, and stuff kind of cycle through on 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 the back end there i don't know if that 
you know affects things as far as who who's in charge and how how that happens but it, it's not because when games when when they lose games which they will lose games whether you know whatever it happens if that is one of the things that it's not being upheld mm-hmm. it is going to be a you know what storm i mean people yep. people won't take it people will not be cool about that glenn um i will be at the front of that you know what storm um <laughs> i know you will <laughs> but, uh look they've got the dudes but mm-hmm. they just have to settle in as coach rightfully said you know austin romaine has been on those special teams and now right. he had to go play linebacker to replace Daniel Green, who's lost mm-hmm. for the season. I get it. Jake Clifton has been on special teams last year, and he's been out with injury, played some. So I get that they were breaking in new guys, and then those guys had to move off of special teams to play. But mm-hmm. mm, 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 mm. when they about broke a, a kickoff run, I was like, this yeah. this isn't right. This isn't yeah. good. No, it feels like special teams – typically you maybe don't think much about it if you're watching you know it might be okay the kickoff return like it's usually kind of a net neutral with kansas state in the past it's always felt like it's going to be at worst a a net neutral and and on saturday it felt like it was going to be at best a a net neutral for kansas state which is just unusual for kansas state fans to deal with i do agree uh i think they have the guys right to do it i mean philip brooks uh correct me if i'm wrong was big 12 special teams either player of the year or preseason player of the year or something like that. Um, He's one of the best there is, but they got to get it figured out. I, I think it probably should help moving forward that they have a guy like Seth Porter, who's a veteran and who's a captain who I think almost, if you were splitting up the groups, you're going to send Will Howard with your offense and you're going to, before he got hurt, at least you're going to send Daniel Green with your defense. You're going to send Seth Porter with that special teams. I would think he's going to take a lot of responsibility this week. He's going to be a key pace in getting that cleaned up because He's a guy who's been there long enough to know that standard that we're talking about. And he's probably, I'm guessing, going to instill that in some of the younger guys. Hey, this is not okay. Right. It's not. And they did get some guys back. We mentioned Will Howard played. But Christian Duffy came back. And, Brian, I certainly want to ask you about his play. Big Duff came back. He played about half of the offensive snaps. I think he played a little bit more than they planned on. Um, And they're heading into the off week now. And so they, they've got Duffy that now has two weeks of practice leading up to the Friday night. Well, not two weeks because they play on a Friday night. Don't start me on that. Uh, Friday night game at Oklahoma State. Uh, they also have Jake Clifton, who surprised everyone by playing. He wasn't expected to come back until Oklahoma State. He played a number of snaps against UCF. He wasn't as fast as he has shown in the past. And uh, they're just getting some bodies back. But it is kind of weird having um, this early off week, but let's hear what uh, Coach Kleiman said about some of these guys. It was huge to get Duff back, but now we get two weeks to practice with him so that he'll be full speed. We get two weeks to practice with Jake Clifton at full speed. We get two weeks to practice with Garrett Oakley, who played a handful of snaps at full speed. So I'm excited to get uh, a few more bodies back there. Yeah, I forgot to mention Garrett Oakley leading to that. that, that that's a massive tight end. He's running around out there. I'm like, they, they've let a giant come onto the field. Uh, so he was a presence. But, uh, Brian, give me your uh, evaluation of that right tackle spot with Duffy out there. I thought he did fine. I mean, there mm-hmm. were some plays that he missed, but I think that was more either conditioning or timing type of stuff. Uh, but I thought he did fine. I thought he was opening up holes. He was drive blocking. Um, like I said, there were some plays that he missed, but you expect that coming back and being out for so long. That's the thing. I mean, it's not like he was out for a week or two or anything like that. He's been out for so long. So I I thought he did well. 
I thought he did well. I think this bye week is going to be huge because if I know coaches, like I think I know coaches, they're going to show him the tape. They're going to show him where he wasn't in shape, and they are going to work him to get into shape over the next eight to ten days. And I think against Oklahoma State, he'll be ready. I I, I don't think I could get in shape in two weeks, Timmy. <laughs> I, I think I need more time than that. I don't think. Hey, you don't have the K State coaching staff though. They might be able true. to do it. Yeah, That's Coach true. Drew would probably. I don't even want to think about it. I'm not going to sleep tonight thinking about it. <laughs> if, you, if you have you on the bathroom for about five days and then you quit the team. Yeah, Coach Drew just yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with, get out of bed. Okay. <laughs> Look, guys, this K-State team has an upside that we haven't even come close to seeing. And, Tim, Coach Kleiman alluded to that when asked about his offense putting up 44 points and all those yards. He said we're not even close. And, and he mentioned the receivers. They're just not getting the kind of uh, consistency out of the receiver core that you need to once you get into Big 12 play. It, it, it's an ongoing concern that they threw so much to the running back and a group of three tight ends. I think there was 20 targets out of those those guys, the non-receivers. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they, they did lose RJ Garcia midway through the game, yep. which is significant. Uh, Keegan Johnson, we're still not 100% sure like where yeah, he is health-wise, what the deal is there. I mean, hopefully he starts to kind of look like himself. He's had a couple of little flashes of, 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 of being that explosive kind of deep threat, but not anything uh, super notable. And then aside from that, it's it's mm-hmm. Jaden Jackson and, and Ben Sennett, which, I mean, we knew about Ben Sennett, and he's been what we thought he was going to be for the, for the most part. But Wide receiver wise, I you know I wonder uh, over the this next week and a half, two weeks, whatever, how many of those younger guys, how many of the the Trace Bivies and the 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 JC Browns and stuff like that, kind of matriculate up um, in into kind of that level to you know be a, a part of the offense. They need yeah. consistency there. If Oops. not, you know, if not huge numbers consistency and then they don't have that and glenn will howard threw another interception but that was keegan johnson not competing for his space i mean he just let the the corner or safety step in front of him and take the Mm -hmm. ball away we saw it at missouri where it looked like treshawn ward didn't complete his route and kind of cut it off and was on a different page most of the interceptions haven't been will howard's fault but they're, they go on his stats. It's frustrating to watch. Well, the week one, the week one as well that he yeah. got hit as he threw, and and you yep. can make the case. Well, he should he should have had an awareness. This guys coming after him, but if the O line holds up their block, that's probably one that he can take back as well. So yeah, I don't know that the picks have been on him. It happens to me and Madden all the time. I'll throw, and then the, <laughs> the defender on Madden will come back to the ball, and my guy just stands there and doesn't come back anyways. That's coaching. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> maybe it is. It's user <laughs> error, but no, I think that. Um, that's something that maybe will come with time. The pro and the con, I guess, to K-State's receivers is they plan to get a lot of guys involved. We've talked about that before. Maybe the con of that is that, you know, if you have six or seven or eight guys that you're getting involved, how many times is Will Howard throwing to the, each of those guys in a yep. live game each week? And if the answer is only four or five, even for your best guys, he might – I know he practices with them every week, and Kleiman's talked about the importance of practicing at full speed for that reason, that if they don't go 100% full speed, then Will doesn't know where they're going to be at in the game. But it is different in the game, even if you are going full speed in practice. Um, so I'll be interested to see down the stretch if he does zero in on a few guys where he says, I know 
RJ Garcia and Ben Sinnott and whoever else, like the back of my hand, and I know where they're going to be at, so I'm going to go to them. Or if we keep getting a type of deal where we might have a different – it might be a different guy each week, and, and that keeps the defenses on their toes. But then if he's throwing to Jaden Jackson eight times this week instead of RJ Garcia, or if it's different every week, he also doesn't know that guy maybe as well. Right. Whereas we see it with, with Kelsey and Mahomes. I mean, right. Kelsey just goes out there and runs, and it's like without him saying anything – Patrick knows exactly where he's going, even if it's not the route he's supposed to run. Yeah, it's it's exactly. He's got something like that going with Ben Sennett, but defenses mm-hmm. have, have caught up a little bit to that, and um, he needs those receivers to step up to keep those defenses honest. Yeah. Uh, final topic before we take our break is um, K-State lost last year to Tulane. The, the last non-conference game went to Oklahoma and won. This time they lose at Missouri on mm-hmm. you know in a heartbreaking fashion. Let's be honest here. Tulane wasn't heartbreaking. They just kind of beat K State. Mm-hmm. Um, they just didn't let them get back into that game. Uh, but this one was this one stung. It provided a lot of adversity for the team. Here's what Coach Kleiman said about the culture of this football program and bouncing back from those troubles. Yeah, um, we we strive on on overcoming adversity, and we always talk about you know average teams get destroyed by adversity. Good teams survive it. Great teams get better because of it, and that's what we want to be. Um, a great team. We've got to continue to get better because of the adversity. And I haven't even looked at the injury report. Maybe we had somebody down, but um, you know what? So what now what? The next guy has to be able to step up and play like that kid did there in Austin Romaine. Yeah, it. Uh, they bounced back. Austin Romaine he kind of gave up the big run, but he got better as the game went on, as he saw more and more snaps. Glenn, this team does bounce back. It is resilient, and that's coaching, man. That is not coaching on emotion, coaching on preparation, and and just demanding your leaders on your team lead. And yeah, K-State does that. And the early bye week is is a, maybe a little unusual, depending on how you look at it. But it might be a benefit for K-State to to have that bye week. There's never a good time to lose Daniel Green for the season, right? Yeah. But to have that bye week right after that, you get the win without him one week, and then you got those two weeks specifically for a guy like Austin Romain to take those reps with the ones to get settled in, to get some quality coaching. That's valuable. And I think, you know, the K-State coaches have instilled, uh, you know, this this idea of just like zero panic in these guys, it seems like. And it yeah. seems like they have – we talked about it last week. They, they had to find this balance, and I asked the guys about it uh, last Tuesday – in the press conference, this balance of like letting that Mizzou loss motivate you without like dwelling on it. Like, how do you let it fuel you without pouting about it and then just letting it uh, cost you again? And that was Clement's big message, right? Was we could not let Mizzou beat us twice. And I think that's what he got away to the guys and say, hey, that loss sucked. Now, now move on or else we're going to have another loss that sucks. And Brian, in some ways, this was an ideal game. You got. Uh, you got tested. You got pushed. You were down in the third quarter, mm-hmm. um, and you, you found a way to win. You found a way to take control of the game, uh, and you didn't get it beaten up and injured in this game. This was almost yeah. like a best case scenario in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. It was a way to get confidence back. You know, I'm not sure that the guy like they lacked confidence, but anytime you get beat, you start to question yourself somewhat in some way. So it was good that they went through the adversity and was able to find a way because, look, there's nothing that eats away at a team than not being able to deal with adversity. Yeah, right. You see it at every single level. Little inver- adversity creeps in. You either have good leaders and they fight through it, mm-hmm. or you have bad leaders and the team separates. I mean, mm-hmm. it happens everywhere. You see it in, in the profession. You look at the Jets. 
I mean, a little adversity, and they're ready to fall apart. They're literally ready to fall apart. So it's good that K-State has the kind of leadership that they do, uh, and I believe the coaches allow for the players to do it. Now, you know, I played under a coach. He did it. You know, I'm not saying there's a better way to do it or not, but Coach Snyder used to do that. Mm -hmm. Coach Kleiman allows his players to root and cipher through that stuff. Uh, I think it's a different mindset because it's a different type of player between then and now, just the mindset and mentality of guys. But the the locker room at K-State is strong. So that's a good good information, Glenn, that you said that because that helps – with adversity it helps to be able to fight through that stuff and that that your team can do it without having to be told and brian i'm wondering if you could speak on this sorry fitz um being a former player how big is the timing of this when going to the bye week you you got two weeks to think about that last game so what if it was bad you got two weeks of the fans ridiculing you you got two weeks to dwell on the play that you missed and you got two weeks to say maybe what if we can't bounce back? But instead, Will Howard runs for 35 yards, and you're like, oh, my gosh, these guys, you know, and you go in there, they got to be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, they do, and it's huge, huge. Like I said, the confidence level, number one, to get that bad taste out of your mouth, mm-hmm. I mean, to lose the way that they lost yeah. because they know they didn't play their best. That is what eats at the crawl is that they know they didn't play their best, and then they got beat. Okay, you know, if they beat us and we did everything that we could – that's something different, okay? Mm-hmm. But the, so the buy comes at a perfect time. You, not only do you get that bad taste out of your mouth, you also get to the first of all, K State needs to heal. That's another yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to be banged up. It seems like we got banged up early this season. Mm-hmm. So K State gets to heal, got the bad taste out of their mouth. I know it's an early buy, but honestly, I, I think it's a it's a good week for this to happen. Tim Everson last year. They go to Oklahoma. They come home three and one. This year, they beat UCF to go to three and one. Compare where these two teams are, if you can. What how this team matches up to where K State was after four games last year? I think last year the Oklahoma game, it was kind of uh, they kind of found themselves a little bit right. there. Even though I don't think it truly like fully happened until the TCU game when Will Howard kind of took over and, but in their minds when they were going to be an Adrian Martinez led team, they kind of saw, okay, this is our, this is our road to success. This is how we need to play to win games. Uh, I don't know if that this team is quite there yet. I don't think that, uh, you know, UCF is quite on, well, even though we found out Oklahoma was quite bad (laughs) last year, but the perceived level of Oklahoma at the time, that was a much bigger confidence Mm -hmm. boost to go in there and then kick their butt than it was to uh, beat UCF this week. But I I think that I agree that this bye week comes at a, a kind of a crucial time, not only for the healing aspect, but yeah, just to kind of shore up so many things have been exposed that need to be fixed on, on, on both sides of the ball. And they're just kind of been gift wrapped a, a two week period to really hone in on those things and then get those knocked out. And I, I feel like they feel they believe that they're going to be a much better football team coming out of this this little break here. And I, I, I I'm I'm excited to see the changes that are made. I'm excited to see if there's any personnel shifts, especially receiver wise, maybe defensively and i uh i i think that this is going to be 
if they are going to be the team that maybe we thought they were as far as competing for a Big 12 title, um, doing something else fun in the postseason, I think the, this little this two-week stretch is going to be mm-hmm. massive for, for them uh, getting to that goal. And it gives me two weeks to talk about DJ Giddens. So. Right. <laughs> and I will do that win. for these whole two weeks. I will do that. That's good. Uh, we're running a little heavy on the first segment, but and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about K-State's remaining schedule eight weeks in a row after this off week. It's going to be a grind for the Wildcats. It starts two Friday nights from now at Oklahoma State. We'll get into the Big 12, which kind of overlaps with the schedule. And my word for the Big 12 this year is stinky. And um, we'll also take a look around some college football topics. You're watching the insiders from gopowercat.com. If you're listening... Uh, we'll be right back with this after this little break. But if you're watching, this break lasts four seconds. You can make it. I promise you can make it. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. We're back on the Insiders. Tim Fitzgerald, Brian Hanley, Glenn Kinley, and Tim Everson, your regular crew. A primetime episode. We did this because, because I had a medical appointment uh, today in Kansas City that on Friday got canceled. <laughs> so, so that's good. I, I got to go get my blood work done tomorrow before a press conference, but I'll, I'll be fine. Apparently, they're not too worried about me. <laughs> Uh, guys, uh, K-State goes next to Oklahoma State. Let me pull this up here. Then they go to Texas Tech, which lost at West Virginia, which honestly I didn't see coming. Um, then they come home to play TCU on October 21st, so almost a full two, a full month before they have another home game. Then they get Houston, and then they go to Texas. Okay, now we're talking. Then they come home and play Baylor, and then they go to Kansas. Tough. Tough yeah, opponent. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then they wrap up with Iowa State. Guys, uh, a lot of these teams are bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just no polite way. Uh-huh. Brian, this all, this conference absolutely stinks this year. Oklahoma State is as bad as Kansas ever was and maybe worse. They look like the locker room's already gone and lost. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State beat Oklahoma State, and that only proved that they're less bad than Oklahoma State. Houston's bad. Tech might be bad. Some of us picked Tech to be in the Big 12 championship. We're not going to point anything. <laughs> um, Houston's bad. Cincinnati's not on K-State schedule. They're kind of bad. We don't know about TCU. Baylor seems bad. I look at this, and K-State should theoretically win every game, and Texas and Kansas are the two ones that are kind of up in the air. Am I crazy? No. No, you're not crazy at all. Well, you are crazy, but not for that reason. Not for that. Yeah, there we go. There you go. That's a be- that's a better statement. But yeah, the the, the Big 12 is awful. Let's just call it what it is. Look, I, I have no idea what's going on with Tech. I thought Tech would be much better. I thought West Virginia would stink. And by all intents and purposes, I don't think West Virginia is really that good. But here they are. 
Mm-hmm. And then they beat Tech, and I'm just like, gee, many Christmas, what is going on? And Oklahoma State, you could see the handwriting on the wall. Who in the world has heard of playing three quarterbacks in a competitive football game when one of them, those quarterbacks is awful and he happens to be your son? I mean, what are you doing? I mean, it's almost like Gundy's just cashing in the season because, like I said, I've never – I've been watching football my whole life. I've never seen where a team plays three quarterbacks in a competitive game. Now, in a blowout, that's something different. They didn't do that. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, they're awful. Look, K-State's got an opportunity here. They really do. Now, you got to go play the games, and anything can happen. It's college football, and the guys are kids, so anything can happen. So you still got to go play the games. But they have a real opportunity here to do something that, number one, a lot of people thought they were going to be able to do anyway. Uh, but number two, to kind of separate themselves from the stinky poo of the rest of the conference. So right. this is K-State's opportunity. That's a technical football term for those who are watching. <laughs> um, we try not to get into that technical term. Who is one of them. Hey, uh, Tim, uh, at Oklahoma State, at Tech, TCU in Houston and Manhattan leading up to – Texas is it an utter failure of this team if it's not seven to one going to Texas unless we see something totally different from those teams between now and then from what they've shown I I don't see how those all aren't wins I I really don't I mean I I think that Texas Tech I would say could pull something out if they didn't you know lose their quarterback for the rest of the season Um, Oklahoma State is I, yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's a whole barrel of monkeys that <laughs> gets more and more complicated as you go further and further down. And Gundy thought that he was going to have an easier time of things after T Boone died, but no, no, it's yeah, it's hot down there. He needs T Boone for the NIL. <laughs> he's refusing to play that game, and he's losing his locker room over it. Okay, Glenn, I'm going to give you a question specifically for your knowledge base because you covered Sorry. Kansas and BYU. <laughs> on Saturday. Um, I keep telling K-Staters, this KU team's good. I mean, they're they're better than last year. They're more complete. I love Jalen Daniels at quarterback. I I seriously think KU could be in the running for top three, four, five in this conference, and that includes giving K-State a real real challenge in Lawrence when they meet. And that game is in Lawrence, by the way. And that's going to be – I think that's going to be a good football game. KU is better than last year. their defense has gotten better. We're talking about a team that was worse than the Big 12 from defense. That defense just scored 14 points against BYU and had three turnovers, and two of them were turnovers that turned into touchdowns. Their defense has gotten better, and Jalen Daniels, uh, the more that he get, he was beat up kind of in fall camp, the more that he gets healthy, uh, the more mobile he's going to be. We talk about it. We talked about it with Kansas State basketball with Marquise Noel. I think if you would have asked Marquise Noel, like, when Tang got hired, he would have been like, yeah, we're going to win the national championship. Like, what do you, why would you think we wouldn't? I think Jalen Daniels has that same like level belief of like, he thinks he's the best quarterback in the world and whether or not he is, if he believes it, that goes a long way. They have the belief and that's probably a testament to what Lance Leipold has done with them and just the, the program buy-in and stuff like that. Um, and Leipold talked about it today in his press conference. He, they had the big win against Texas in 2021. He's tired of talking about that, partially probably because Texas beat him really badly in Lawrence last year, so they already got their revenge. We're probably going to maybe see – I'm not even saying what the outcome of the game will be. We might see some flaws exposed for KU this week and maybe learn a little bit more about them. 
Um, but that being said, if they go to Austin and lose, that doesn't mean that they aren't still going to give K-State a tough game because a lot of teams are going to go to Austin and lose this year. Uh, Kansas has has a lot of playmakers, and, and Jalen Daniels is uh, – a lot of teams have tried to stop him, and not many teams have stopped him. They got a huge test at Texas, but then they've got UCF coming in, Brian. And I think that's going to be a great measurement for K-State to understand where Kansas is at. Maybe Plumlee comes back at quarterback. I'm not sure what his schedule is for the Knights, but um, I, I'm intrigued by KU. And I, I think he's doing a good, great job. Lance Leipold's doing an incredible job there. Uh, but this is a series Kansas State's owned. And, and that thing just kind of lingers out there in game 11, mm. just waiting out there on the horizon. Uh, it's going to be packed. It's going to be fun. Uh, this season's going to be fun to watch unfold. Yeah. Well, the thing about Kansas, and a lot of people aren't talking about it because of Jalen Daniels, is that they replaced their front four, and all those guys can play football. Yeah. So they have a good – they're just better on defense. It's kind of what Glenn said. They're just better on defense, man. So that was their Achilles heel last year. They could score 40 points, but they were going to give up 45. I mean, there was no ifs, ands, right. or buts. They were giving up 45. So that's not the case this year. Nope. That's just not the case this year. So you're going to have to play Kansas to beat them because they're not beating themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a well-coached football team. I'm interested in the game this week. I really am. I think Kansas is going to give Texas – now, they always play them tough, minus last year. That mm-hmm. was different. But I think they're going to give them everything they want. I really think they're going to give them everything that Texas wants. So yep. uh, that game uh, at the end of the year, the second to last game that K-State plays, I think it's going to be – it'll also be different because Kansas is going to be good. And usually K-State gets in about half of the crowd, if not more. Right. They're not getting in half at this game. Nope. That's That's not happening this time. We talked about it last week and said this might be that was maybe the only week that KU fans were rooting for K State when they were playing Missouri. This week might be the only time when K State fans are are going to root for KU because you uh, you know it's like the old TV show, but you replace it with Texas. Everybody hates Texas. It's kind of the Big Twelve motto right now. It feels like. (laughs) I mean, I was shocked to see Texas open as an eighteen and a half point favorite. uh, That's a huge number for Mm -hmm. for as good as KU's playing, but Tim. We could welcome in four new schools into this conference. We knew Houston was kind of caught in between, and Cincinnati had a coaching change. Uh, but UCF and BYU kind of brought some confidence that they were going to come here and compete right away. Uh, they all lost their Big 12 openers, which maybe shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, who do you think is going to shake out from the newcomers and actually be competitive? I, I, I still think BYU is good. I mean, they, they took down Arkansas, which the – the state of that Arkansas team is in flux currently, but that's still a win on the road. It's solid. Uh, but if I had to pick one, it, it, it is probably UCF. I, I think that we don't know how last Saturday goes if they have John Reese Plumley. I think he just right. adds another dimension to that offense. K-State, I think, still could have won that game, but I, you know, I don't think it would have been – as in hand as it was through most of the fourth quarter. Um, but I, I, I think that they have uh, enough Big 12-level athletes. They have top-level transfers. They got guys from Alabama and all, all that good stuff all over that. that Kobe Kobe Brown, right, the, the wide receiver, he's a, he's a stud. Um, I, I think UCF is kind of the next one to – once they kind of, once they figure out a couple little things, we'll be right, right at the top. 
One more topic before I let you go. I know Brian Hanley wants to watch Monday Night Football desperately, <laughs> although his Steelers won yesterday, so that's good. Yes, He's sir. In good <laughs> He's in a good mood. Um, the uh, Dion show came to a crashing halt. Oregon's still scoring points as we speak. Um, uh, look, the, the truth is they are an improved football team, Brian Hanley, but they're not all that yet. They just don't have. They've got. They've got some flash players. He did a great job, particularly in that opener at TCU, using those guys, putting those guys in a point, you know, places to be successful. But now they got some film on them, and they got Oregon, and they got run out of the building. And now they're going to get USC, and they're going to yeah. get run out of the building. But uh, still, much improved. But I'm kind of relieved that we got to tamp this down, this this excitement down a little bit. <laughs> Well, the thing about it is there's two different aspects of it. Number one, I've been on several different podcasts, and I've been saying it for months. Colorado's got about eight to 12 good football players. Right. Eight to 12 good football players. Their their top 44 is awful. It's just not good. The offensive line, the guys are tall, but they're not physical. So, you know, their offensive line isn't good. I know a bunch of people gave Tom Luganville from ESPN a bunch of flack when he said they don't know how they're going to keep them upright. Well, they played against a team that actually had some athletes and they couldn't keep them upright. So he wasn't wrong. He just wasn't wrong. It just TCU didn't have the type of athletes to be able to exploit that. Uh, But it's just what you said. They got some film on them and they were just outmatched everywhere i mean their dbs were just bigger and better than the colorado receivers we know on both sides of the line they were going to be better they were just bigger and better and i think people get caught up in the they love the dion story and they love the how he's doing it and changing how college football is done within the rules and i love it but at the same time a lot of those same crazy people can't be realists and understand they don't have the horses yet to be able to do it. They just don't. Well, we talked about the Lance Leipold and his turnaround at KU. He won two games in his first year at Kansas. That's like, right. Like for 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 Dion to turn this around at Colorado, they don't have to go to a bowl game this year. If they win three or four games, like that's still that's still a step in the right direction. Well, that, here's the thing, and I don't mean to cut anybody off. At the beginning of this season. If you'd have said that Dion and Colorado was going to win six games, you'd have said he's the coach of the year. <laughs> they would have, we would have said yeah. that he deserved coach of the year from what they looked like and what their roster has been basically the past five years. It's been horrific to get to six wins. Oh, he's the coach of the year. Now people are saying, well, if he gets to six wins, it's a failure. Right. I, I just don't understand that. That's yeah. insane to me. And Glenn, you're you represent Fox here. Uh, they're going back every, for big Saturday again it's every week. <laughs> pencil, pencil them in for every Saturday, not through the fall, but actually through uh, March, just in case Prime takes over the basketball program. <laughs> Come on, man! What's going on? <laughs> it seems like they're going to be there every week, man. But I do want to say, Fitz, at the, when you start introducing this, you said they're going to get blown out by USC this weekend. Coach Prime just texted me, said that it's personal, actually. So uh, I do expect him to give like the Ryan Day rant that we saw at Lou Holtz. I expect you to get that from Prime if they win this game. Well, I'm I'm impressed that you've got uh, Coach Prime on the texting machine. <laughs> that's that's important. Yep. Uh, Tim, let's wrap it up with you. Let's say Kansas State is seven and one going to Texas. I would imagine Texas is going to be very similar, if not unbeaten, at that point. Is that the epicenter of college football on that weekend? Will we see? 
big noon Saturday or the college game day crew there in Austin for that game? Um, I would, I would think so. I don't know. I it wouldn't be surprised. If there's some other pretty significant late season matchups. I don't know off the top of my head kind of what what is happening that weekend, but it's going to be big. Um, and and the hype is is going to be enormous, especially around here, and especially uh, you know the the hate is only going to build throughout the season. I right. mean that is for for everyone not, who's not Oklahoma and Texas. That's really what's powering yep, <laughs> teams through this. Yeah, and um, I'm not sold on Oklahoma yet. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely, they played absolutely no one. They got an easy schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they got an Iowa easy State schedule this weekend. I think they're going to get blown out by Texas again. Yeah. I think yep. I think Texas is going to line up and just run right over them again. I would tend to agree with that. Well, that's it for this edition of the Insiders. We got to get Brian to Monday Night Football. Glenn's at work. Glenn needs to go make TV magic. <laughs> and uh, Tim and I are just fat writers that don't have to work. Yeah, you want to go grab some dinner somewhere? Yeah, we could. We, could, we do whatever we want. We're hot. We appreciate you listening. Remember, K-State is off this week, but we'll still have coverage at GoPowerCat.com, including Chris Kleiman's press conference tomorrow from the Veneer Complex. We'll be there, so will Tim. Someone from Glen Station will be there. Brian won't be there because he lives in Frisco, Texas. We'll let him just stay there. Thanks for watching. We appreciate you listening. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.